Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we recognize that our love for you is only the result of your love for us. You first loved us and you sent your son to save us. And Lord, we're so grateful. And so now as we turn to your word, we pray that in the presence of your Holy Spirit who is in this place, as we read your holy word that we believe is absolutely and unequivocally true and inerrant, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and transform us by the renewing of our minds. Let us leave this experience different from when we walked in, more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. For the past several months, we have been working through a sermon series called Decided, and it's based on the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And so those of us who trust and follow Jesus, well, we've decided that too. And we looked back over the course of the last several months at the lives of individuals who followed Jesus during the course of his earthly ministry and how their lives were transformed as a result. You know, they laid aside everything that they had been building in their lives to trust and follow Jesus. And God blessed them in so many different ways. And it's been so inspiring to see how God met with real men and real women and and really changed them. But if we're honest, there's a little bit of a disconnect between their stories of faith and our story of faith. Because they followed Jesus when he was here during his earthly ministry. And so... They were able to see him and, and physically listen to his voice with their ears, and, and they could even touch him. They could literally walk behind him. They could follow Jesus. And so there's a little bit of a disconnect because, well, in 2024, you and I can't reach out and touch Jesus physically. He's ascended into heaven. He is at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and one day he will return. And we will have a very physical, tactile experience with Jesus for all eternity, but right now, we walk by faith. Not according to what we're able to see, but according to what God has said to us through His Word and how He communicates to us through His Holy Spirit. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there, and you may have found yourself asking the question, how do I follow Jesus today? in 2024 when I can't physically walk behind him. Well, you know, if the New Testament ended at the ascension, we would just have to guess at it. But the New Testament doesn't end at the ascension. Jesus ascends unto heaven, and there are still men and women who place their faith in Jesus Christ to trust and follow him. And the rest of the New Testament is the story of the outworking of Jesus's ministry through those people who were called unto faith after his ascension. And so we're gonna spend the next several months looking at their stories because they likewise decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. In the beginning of the book of Acts, Luke the physician writes and tells us that he had previously written about the account of Jesus' ministry, and it was all of the things that Jesus began to do. That's the gospel according to Luke. All of the things that Jesus began to do. But even after his ascension, Jesus' ministry continued, and it continued in the lives of the men and women and boys and girls who followed him after his ascension. 
And that ministry continues still today. Jesus is still working miraculous things in our lives. You, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are evidence of that. You are evidence of the fact that God is still at work through his Holy Spirit, and God is still at work in and through his people. Jesus' ministry continues today. So we're going to learn, as we look at the stories of those who have decided to follow Jesus after his ascension, that their lives are transformed too, and ours can be as well. Today, on the day of our deacon ordination and installation service that we will have tonight at 6 p.m. right here in this room, and to which you are invited, we're going to look at the life of one of the first deacons, Stephen. So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 6. Now I'm going to tell you, you're going to hear one of the finest sermons you have ever heard in your life today. But it's not going to be because I'm talking. I'm going to read it to you. It comes from Acts chapter 7, and it is phenomenal. It is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Stephen's sermon there before his accusers. We're going to hear that today. But I want to give you this theme. Stephen decided to follow Jesus. And his life was transformed. Stephen decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. We're going to look first at Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And if you're in the room, in the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 914. Luke the physician writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Our first point this morning is this. Stephen followed Jesus to a new calling. Stephen followed Jesus to a new calling. The church is still very young. And it is very new. But what you have in church then is the same thing that you have in church now. You know, the church is made up of everyone who trusts and follows Jesus Christ as Lord throughout the ages. But the church also expresses itself in local bodies of people who are different. And in this first local body, you had the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And they came from different cultures. The Hebraic Jews were those Jews who were there from around this area, Israel, or what the Romans had started to call Palestinia during this time. And they spoke Hebrew and Aramaic, and they were locals. But then you also had these Hellenistic Jews who, whose ancestors had been sent out through the exiles and through the diaspora, and they were back. And they spoke a different language. They spoke Greek. 
And so here's what you have. You have people who are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, but they have different cultural expectations, and they even have different linguistic expressions. And what happened was that the Hellenistic widows were starting to be neglected in the daily distribution because, well, true religion is to take care of widows and orphans, and that's what one of the things that the church does. Incidentally, that's why we take a take up miles of pennies for Sunrise Children's Services because we care for widows and orphans, and that's part of the calling of the church. Well, this was not necessarily a sin issue. This was really more of a, an organizational issue. There, there was a, a, a language gap, and there were people who were being left out in the church's ministry, and it wasn't because anybody was trying to leave them out. It just was what it was. And you know, that can happen in any church. That can happen in any congregation. Incidentally, I'll tell you again, in 2024, we don't have a direct line from heaven that tells us that you're in the hospital. So if you go to the hospital and you don't tell us, guess what? We don't know. And it's not that we don't want to come see you. If we don't know you're there, we can't come see you because we don't know you're there. So if you don't care, just let us know. And we will be glad to come and visit with you and pray with you and be helpful to you in any way that we can. Well, that's what's going on. And so the apostles had a job. Their job was to proclaim the Word of God. There was no New Testament at this time. And so God was delivering the truth of the faith in Jesus Christ through the apostles. They couldn't stop what they were doing, but there were others in the church who could provide for the needs of the saints, and that's what they did. They raised up these first deacons, and the first one they named was Stephen. And those deacons had the hands of the apostles laid on them as they were set apart to serve. That's what a deacon is. I know, I know. Everybody has a story about some old crusty deacon, I, don't you? They say that preacher's kids are terrible because they spend all their time with the deacon's kids. And I mean, everybody has a story. Do you know what the Bible tells us about deacons? The word itself means servant. So the function of a deacon is to serve. Diakoneo means to serve or to minister. So the function of a deacon is to serve. And that's what these first deacons were raised up for. And notice that Stephen is mentioned first, and he is, he is singled out among those who are listed as being a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. But he embraced this new calling as the congregation set him aside to be a lead servant, a servant leader within the congregation. So he followed Jesus to a new calling. Now watch how that worked out. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. 
And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Our second point this morning. Stephen followed Jesus to a new anointing. Stephen followed Jesus to a new anointing. You might have heard that word around church circles. What does that mean? Well, literally, you can anoint with oil. That means you put oil on somebody. But what does it mean to be anointed with the Holy Spirit? Well, that means that for a believer, one who has received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the, that the, the presence and expression of the Holy Spirit within the life of this individual is overflowing to bless others. Y'all, y'all have seen people like that. You've seen people who's, whose lives just were so evident with the fruit of the Holy Spirit that you knew God was with them. Listen to what the Bible says here in Acts chapter 6 about Stephen. Verse 5 says he was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says he was full of grace and power. Verse 8 says he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10 said his opponents could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. The Holy Spirit was not only present with Stephen, but was overflowing from the life of Stephen and blessing others. And that's the work of Almighty God. Only he can work through another human being in that sort of a way. But let me tell you what's going to happen when you are given the Holy Spirit and filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Satan hates that, and he will come after you. And that's exactly what he did to Stephen. He stirred up opposition to the ministry of Stephen. This one who was full of wisdom, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, doing great works among the people. This one whose face looked like it was glowing. Remember when Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets? He had been in the presence of God. You remember what his face was doing? Glowing. Remember when Jesus was transfigured? And there he was with Moses and Elijah before those inner three circled disciples. What was his face doing? His face was glowing. You know, I pray that every Sunday when we walk out of this room and we go out into the world that we have had such an encounter with Almighty God that when we meet people, they think that our faces are glowing because we are so filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, so encouraged in the faith and so willing to follow Jesus wherever he would lead. I've seen some people like this. You know, there are people who tell you they're praying for you because they're trying to get something out of you. And there are others who tell you they're praying for you because they really are. And I'm going to tell you, after a couple of decades in ministry, you begin to learn the difference. There are people, particularly women, that when they tell me they're praying for me, man, I just got goosebumps because I know they are. I know they are. And there is remarkable power when servants of God humbly go before Almighty God in faith, boldly approaching His throne of grace and asking Him to move in ways that only He can. I thank God for men and women who pray faithfully. 
But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to be the sort of people whose faces almost shine because we are so deeply in the presence of Almighty God, Satan's going to come after us. Satan won't bother you if you are very nominally Christian. You know, if you roll in late when you can make it, if you don't give, you don't tithe, you don't serve, you're not, Satan's going to leave you alone. And some of y'all are like, thank goodness, because who needs all that, right? But I'm going to tell you, if you're actually going to live your faith, which incidentally is what God calls us to do. If you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus and run in the power of his Holy Spirit, the race that he's marked out for you, you're going to face opposition. Stephen faced opposition, but that's okay because God still had Stephen. And let me give you some good news. God still has Stephen today. Well, Stephen stood before the council, and he delivered what I believe is one of the finest sermons ever delivered, one of the most beautiful recountings of the story of Scripture we could ever hear, and I want you to hear it. So you're welcome to follow along with me, or you're welcome just to listen to these words breathed out by this servant of Almighty God who was anointed with the Holy Spirit and stood with boldness to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. Hear the word of God. Verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 1. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers, and they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt 
shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, did you bring me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god, Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it, according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, 
As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Our third point today. Isn't that amazing? Stephen followed Jesus to a new appointment. It was appointed that he would stand and speak these words before the council. And to look them in the eye and say, you stiff-necked people, God's been speaking to you for ages, and you reject everything he says. When will you listen? Well, they didn't like that. So let me show you what this new appointment led to. Verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Our final point, Stephen followed Jesus to a new eternity. I can promise you in glory, Stephen's not upset with the way he died. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.